You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres Podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Friday, October 15th, everybody. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. And that part, Just Baseball, going to be relevant on today's episode, guys. If pop culture is your thing, I've also written at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse Film, Cred, Bloody Disgusting, and many more. Definitely going to be writing a lot more about pop culture soon once baseball wraps up and what have you. But most importantly, guys, you can follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. If you see me pointing right now, that means you're watching the YouTube. That's right. There's YouTube for Locked On Padres, guys. Locked On Padres on YouTube. Subscribe. If you're an audio listener, I put a link to the page in the description. Be sure to check that out if you want to see my ugly mug. As always, thank you for making Locked On Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, guys. And again, to my YouTube listeners, my apologies for the weird camera quality. I'm still trying to figure some stuff out. I might be getting more equipment soon. I figure I have to figure it out. But like I said, I'm, I, I beg you to understand, my house is designed by the Joker. It's like every single time, the, the room with good lighting, well, the internet's bad, and it's hot as heck in there. The room with really cool air and all that has terrible lighting and all this stuff. It's all these different things. I can't move around. The, look, I'm figuring it out, but I promise you, once I, this Logitech camera that I'm pointing at right now, yeah, that's right, you right there, that I spent money on, I'm going to put you to good use, I promise. But today's episode, we are talking about, uh, really quickly at the top of the first segment, we're going to be talking about the NLCS Kind of my final thoughts on the Dodgers advancing, my final thoughts on the game, which I did watch in full, along with some Thursday Night Football action on the side on my little phone, uh, which was very cool. Gotta love a good sports night. Um, and then I'm going to be talking about part one uh, of my article that dropped on Just Baseball, which you can check out in the link uh, that will be in the description below for the article of the top 10 most tragic moments of the 2021 Padres, guys. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be part one of it. And then Monday's episode, we'll be talking about part two, where we go through the other five. Or you can just read it, whichever way you want. I support all mediums. I ain't no snob. If you just like listening to music, no problem with me. If you like to listen to a podcast, if you like, if you don't like reading, no problem with me. I get it to each their own. Although I recommend diversifying your portfolio of viewing and stuff that you, you know, what's the word, that you take in. That's, that's just my personal opinion for all things in life, guys. But anyway, enough talking all esoterically and everything, guys. Let's talk about the game last night. The Giants lose, and I say the Giants lose because they were the team that I was rooting for. Definitely in this series, they lose 2-1. to one. And I mean, not much to really report in the sense of like a game-by-game play. It was 2-1. to one. I mean, there wasn't too much that happened in this game. But once again, I have to emphasize that playoff baseball is awesome. I love that 2-1 games become the most exciting things ever, where in total, I think in this game, how many hits were there in this game? Let's see here. Eight hits by the Dodgers, six by the Giants. Put it out throughout the course of the game. The Giants really did struggle uh, to hit in this game, I would say. I think that when you have the Dodgers coming out with Corey Niebel, Kniebel, I think is how you say, and Bruce Dargraderall, 
those are the type of guys that you expect to hit on, uh, right? Especially when you're playing in San Francisco and they failed to do that. They failed to do that. And that was unfortunate. Julio Urias, probably the star pitcher for the night for uh, the Dodgers. He gave up three hits and he did give up uh, one earned run, uh, a home run to Darren Ruff, which ended up tying the game. That was still big. But the fact that he was able to go four innings, strike out five guys, not walk anybody. He didn't get hit too much. Bottom line is the Dodgers pitches were better tonight. Blake Trinan came in, wiped out the side. I mean, wiped him out, wiped out Buster Posey and all them. Just absolutely just just money uh, from Blake Trinan, who was one of the bigger relief pitchers that was available on the market, if you guys don't recall. And I must say, for the Padres' respect, while the bullpen wasn't that great this year, I do respect that they did get Melanson. So I would actually argue that in terms of value and bang for your buck, that Mark Melanson was a little better of a value this year than Blake Trinan. That's about the only thing that we beat the Dodgers in, though, so I'll end it at that. Um, and then they bring in Max Scherzer to get the final couple outs. Uh, like I said, Darren Ruff does tie this game. The go-ahead, or I should say the RBIs in this game, are a Corey Seager double, uh, allowing Mookie Betts to score after Mookie Betts stole second major. Huge play in the game, especially considering Buster Posey, one of the top five catchers in baseball. Uh, he has been for a very long time. Uh, I have to admit that I did not expect his bat to be as good as it was this year. I didn't expect MVP quality. I expected, you know, good bat and then good defense, like a good player. You know what I mean? But this year he was like just back to being Buster Posey as usual. So shouts to Buster Posey, Posey having a great year. Um, unfortunately, he isn't able to get the big hit in this game. Like I said, it goes to Darren Ruff. And then the biggest hit of the game is a single from Cody Ballinger to break the tie, unfortunately, off of, what's his name, Camilo Duvall. Um, who was a little bit of an interesting reliever for the Giants this year, by the way, uh, in 0.2 innings. Yeah, he gives up, unfortunately, two hits and the big one to Bellinger. It stinks that Cody Bellinger is the one that did this. And I have no beef with the guy. Uh, let me just be clear on that. I don't have any, like, character slash way they play reasons to actually not like Cody Bellinger. My only beef is just, like, he beat the Padres last year with that big catch off his tattoo. So he's becoming a little bit of a rival, I guess. I'm a little bit bitter. A little bit of tension here, if you guys can sense it or smell it, or read it, whatever sense you like to use the most. I don't know where I'm going with that. But uh, it just in 2021, batting 165 with a 240 on base and a 302 slugging percentage over 95 games is pretty atrocious. I know he's probably banged up and a little bit hurt, but welcome to baseball. Of course, he's the one that comes up with the big hit, unfortunately, in this game. Uh, but I will say, and a lot of people are going to be talking about this, um, is that the game ends with a, a called third strike on a check swing from Wilmer Flores, who I actually don't know why the Giants didn't pinch hit for him. I'm a little bit confused why they didn't do that. I'm looking at their their lineup. Maybe you can bring in – no, I don't really know exactly who they kind of brought in there. I'm not a Giants guy after all, but I was a little bit surprised that they let him hit there. They do, and they get a very bad check swing call that clearly was not a swing by Wilmer Flores. Counts for strike three. A lot of people are probably going to be talking about that on baseball Twitter. They're probably talking about that already. I don't know because I'm recording very quickly because Jeff Snyder and Vincent Piero of Lockdown Dodgers, which you guys should go check out if you're masochistic and want to hate yourselves and uh, listen to Dodgers fans being happy. But seriously, they do a great podcast if you are a Dodgers person or no Dodgers people. Uh, so I got to record really quickly before they go on because after all, they have to celebrate. Uh, moving on to the NLCS where they will face the Atlanta Braves which should be an okay series, I have to admit. If the Braves were to somehow make it more testy than usual, that would be very surprising, especially considering how many injuries they've had this year. Although there is a little bit of a friskiness to this Braves team. But then again, eh, I don't know. Brewers, like, we've seen this before with the Brewers a little bit in the playoffs, it feels like. Josh Hader giving up that big home run to Freddie Freeman. Like, I don't know. 
I think we should have maybe expected the Braves upset more than I think some people thought. Like Milwaukee was great this year, but it just goes to show you that sometimes, yeah, you need some quality star players at bat. And Christian Yelich ending their season on three strikes, on a three pitch at bat, I should say, is very indicative of how much Christian Yelich has fallen. Like it's pretty, it's pretty upsetting. He might have, it might have ended for with Christian Yelich in last year's postseason too, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, um, yeah, it's it stinks that the game ended that way for sure. But I don't want to start. This isn't like some asterisk thing. I don't think we should be talking about this forever. But I think it's only going to propel more and more the argument for robot umpires, and that's what everybody's going to be bringing up. They're going to keep bringing that up. What's crazy is we still got two, three more series to play for the rest of the playoffs. We got the ALCS and NLDS and then the World Series. So there's bound to be some more moments, which is, I guess, one thing to look forward to with the playoffs. I'm miserable because my worst nightmare is Dodgers-Red Sox, and I've talked about that a little bit more on the show, that I would gladly root, but not loudly, for the Astros over the Dodgers. I hate them that much. Uh, I've talked about this uh, at length, but uh, yeah, that's basically it for my thoughts on that, guys. Crummy call to end the game, but admittedly, it is one strike call. It is Max Scherzer, who's very, very good, and you got to hit on some of those other guys, man. Corey Nebel, um, Bruce Dargratterl, who's not bad, by the way, but like when they don't have Scherzer and Bueller going out there, they don't have Kershaw, you got to hit on those guys, but a great season for the Giants, no doubt. I will be very much looking forward to talking with Ben Kaplick of Locked On Giants and various other people over the course of the offseason. I think it should be a lot of fun to talk about that team. That was incredible in a lot of ways. And they shouldn't be – I get it. This is dumb to come from me, but don't be overly upset. You had a great season, man. Great, great season. Uh, but, guys, before we get into the main event of this podcast that you are probably tuning in for it, because, after all, I'm not the Dodgers or the Giants. You know what I mean? So you're probably tuning in for the Top 10 Tragedy. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about the best protein bars in all of the land, ladies and gentlemen. Not just like, you know, San Diego, not just here in New Jersey where I where I reside. No, 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 guys. In all the land. And why are they the best protein bars? They're called Built Bars, first of all, by the way. I forgot to name the name of them. Uh, they're the best protein bars because not only are they soft and easy to chew, you know, covered in hundreds of chocolate, great variety, ladies and gentlemen, coconut. Cherry Barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, cookies and cream, orange, German chocolate, grasshopper cookie, Rocky Road, some other new flavor that came out that I'm forgetting right now, uh, apple almond crisp, which is my personal favorite, limited time only. They've got all these flavors and new ones that pop up all the time. That's what's so great. They keep the variety going. And they are protein bars, which I've mentioned, and that means they're healthy for you guys. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams net carbs. Man, I mean, what the heck are you waiting for, guys? Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Again, guys, I want to reemphasize thank you for making Locked On Padres your hashtag first listen. Every day, we are free and available on all platforms. And now, I know you've been waiting for I'm actually somehow in a good mood, despite the fact that the Dodgers won. I think it's because I expected it. Maybe that's why. We're talking, guys. My list of the top 10 most tragic moments of the 2021 Padres. Guys, starting with the first five. All right, this is a two-part thing. I didn't want to go through 10 things, because we do have some playoff recaps to talk about. Let's get the heck into it. Let's get the heck into it, all right? And right now, if you're listening, if you're watching, I want you to guess in your head. That's what's so fun about doing lists and stuff is that 
as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts and whatnot, when you're guessing, oh, what are they going to say? You know what I mean? What are they going to say? What's, what's going to be the entry number or whatever? That's what's so fun about doing these things. It's a little bit interactive in its own way. I don't know if interactive is the right word, but it's like you can, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm talking nonsense right now, guys. Number 10 for the most tragic moments of the 2021 Padres season is whenever you spent some time, you logged on fan graphs, and you looked up Tommy Pham's numbers with runners in scoring position. Yep, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tommy Pham, who I used to call the Warlock. I I used to call him that because he had some nice playoff moments. He was traded to teams from the Cardinals to the Rays. Really big moments for them. Such a tough at-bat every single time. And he still was to an extent this year. And that extent was that he saw a decent amount of pitches. And he didn't swing at stuff outside the zone. The problem is when he could not hit anything in the zone. That was the big problem with Tommy Pham this year. Not the worst player in the world, but in fact, Pham, uh, you know, he was great as a leadoff hitter. His WRC plus actually with no people on base was a lot higher. It was above 100. If people are curious, WRC plus weighted runs created is a very good stat for just telling you how much better, you know, they are than the average player offensively. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it does, it's not a be all and end all stat, but when it comes to offense, pretty decent. Uh, Tommy Pham had a WRC plus of 41 in 2021 with runners in scoring position. For context, that means he was about 59% worse than every other batter in baseball when it came to those situations. And his WRC plus was around like a, a little bit above 100 whenever runners were not on base. So if you wanted someone to get a hit when you didn't need it and you're already down by five runs, Tommy Pham was your guy this year. And it was a tragic moment because I would look up these numbers. When I looked up how much Tommy Pham declined after those two glorious, and I mean glorious months that he had, guys. I mean, this was a dude who was an on-base machine, one of the one like a top 20 outfielder, I would say, for those two months, or at least in that range uh, for the Padres. And then with runners on base, he refused to hit the ball. He could not hit straight fastballs uh, that were going right down the middle. He just couldn't hit anything, and it was beyond frustrating. Uh, especially for a guy that they traded decent stuff for, Hunter Renfro, Xavier Edwards. Don't know how Xavier Edwards is going to turn out, but he is a top 100 prospect. And then Hunter Renfro, who wasn't good for the Rays, and then they did end up releasing him, but he was still, uh, you know, he got better with Boston, let's just say that. And he's a very good defensive player too. I know he had that weird kerfuffle in the playoffs against the Red Sox that a lot of people uh, talked about in that Rays game, that, the you know, the whole ground rule double thing that we talked about last week. But like just fam, uh, for May and June, 253, 383 on base percentage, June 341, 449. And basically from then on out, just awful. I I mean, he had those two months where he was electric and then everything else was just an absolute mess. I mean, he slugged 625 for one month. Um, And I remember my thoughts early on in the year was actually that I thought that Tommy Pham wasn't going to hit for a lot of power, but I thought he'd be a good on base guy. And in theory, you thought that Okay, that's fine because we have Tatis, we have Machado, we have Grisham, we have all these guys. Like, we should be okay in the power department. That did not happen. So, him only 15 home runs isn't terrible, but the fact that he could not get an extra base hit to save his life, especially with Rodgers in scoring position, was the biggest nightmare of the year. I am wondering how much the injuries have done to him because he is a little bit older. And not to mention, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but the stabbing incident that happened last summer all the rib injuries before then, just all these sorts of injuries that have piled up. I wonder if that contributed to the fact that he was not effective for the Padres this year. That was number 10 because every single time Padres fans know this, especially early on in the year, you guys remember early on in the year when everyone was panicking 
Then he blew up and we were all like, oh, we're good. Yeah, early on in the year, grounding into double plays twice in the same game, including games against the Dodgers. It was rough to watch Tommy Fan this year. You never felt like, except for those two months, that he was going to get you that hit that you really needed. Uh, a huge bust for the Padres and another one of the reasons that they fell off this year. Now let's move on. My apologies if I end up sneezing. I have some coldness. If you haven't noticed that, I'm, that I've been sick uh, over recording this so far, it means I'm doing a pretty decent job, I think, of kind of hiding it. But anyway, number nine on this list of tragedy, guys. Keep thinking in your head. This one's a little bit of a surprise, I'd say. A little bit of a surprise for some people. Number nine, here we go. It is Blake Snell being placed on the IL at the end of the season. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of you may be thinking, well, the season was already lost. You know what I mean? The season was already lost. I agree. I think that things were already heading in the bad direction. You had, I know that they end up beating the Ashes and then they have that Cardinals um, series, which we will be getting into later on the list, believe me. But um, I really do feel like, uh, what's it called? Sorry, I just got a funny text message that distracted me. I really do feel like Blake Snell being placed on the IL was a nice little microcosm of the Padres this year where every single time someone was doing well, someone would become the worst player in the league to kind of almost take away whatever that one guy gave you. It's like they would tip the scales in the opposite direction. When one person goes up, four people go down, if that makes any sense. And then when the, one of those guys gets back up, that one person who's good before – Terrible. Tommy Famkeen being a good example. He helped carry for, say, you know, Tatis struggled at times. You know, I remember, I remember him used to, when he used to hit leadoff Tommy Fam and all that stuff. That having him at the top of the lineup was really good. And then when Manny Machado wasn't doing that great at the beginning of the season, especially in the first half, Tommy Fam would be there. And then right when he gets cold, then those guys, it's just it's a seesaw. And then with Blake Snell to be one of the most effective pitchers in all of baseball, highest strikeout rate among starting pitchers in all of baseball in August. For him to then land on the IL, it's like we couldn't even have that. We couldn't even have the one pitcher who was like really turning it around and stepping up. I exclude Musgrove only because he's been good all year. So I don't count that as stepping up. He just did business as usual. Joe Musgrove is great. But for Blake Snell, uh, he figures it out late. And for him to go on the IL with that injury, it was just like, of course. And then he misses that. Wish we could have had him for some of those later on games, maybe against the Cardinals and what have you. But bottom line is that didn't happen. And it just thinks it was just a reminder that nothing at all. There was not a single good development outside of Blake Snell in the second half. And even that gets taken from us to a very uh, certain extent. And that was really rough. And I thought it was a, just a gut punch because I really enjoyed watching Blake Snell pitch in August. He was electric. He felt like the Blake Snell we wanted to get. I'm hoping that it's a sign that we might get something at least a little bit like that uh, in the future. Uh, in the future. I don't really know if we're going to, but we'll see what happens, guys. And now for, let's see here. Let's do one more before we take a break, guys. Number eight on the list of the top 10 most tragic moments of the 2021 Padres. Guys, drum roll. Uh, this is, I'm in a bad position to do a drum roll right now. Long story. But uh, when Javier Reyes predicted Trent Grisham would finish top 10 and MVP voting. That is right, guys. I am roasting myself. If you don't remember, long-time listeners, long-time followers of the Twitter page and all that, we did these little locked-on videos where we did our bold predictions of the season. And I'm going to defend myself to an extent. I said Trent Christian would finish top 10 because it's so – I've said this before, but I would have been right. I think what happened was 
basically, basically the reason I count this as a top 10 tragedy is one to give myself some plug cause I'm an egotistical jerk. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, the bigger reason is that like, it, it was the first sign, I guess you could say, that things were not due. The fact that maybe I reverse jinxed this guy. Trent Christian was not a terrible player for the 2021 Padres, but he was very much fine. And what they gave up, Luis Urias and Eric Lauer, that is not looking like a great trade anymore. If at best, it's looking even. Uh, because I am just concerned about Trent Grisham's ability to hit. I don't think he's an all-caliber Jackie Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts, Avisayo Garcia, I mean, Yelich when he was a little better that type of defender. Uh, I think he's just a good defender. And I think that he is showing a lot of struggles when it comes to hitting inside pitches. And it doesn't matter what kind of pitch, whether it's a curveball, whether it's a fastball, anything inside. He's like, it's just, almost, he almost bats like he's afraid of those inside pitches, but not that he is. I'm just saying it, it looks like that from the eye test. And he's got to work on that. Um, me predicting him for top 10 voting. I will defend myself by saying this, all my fellow, you know, co-workers and peers at Lockdown. They were saying, like, you know, Jeff Snyder of Lockdown Dodgers. The Dodgers will win 120 games. They won't have to work. All right, okay, so you're saying your team will be good. Congratulations. Or, oh, you know, the the Twins, Josh Donaldson, our best player will be MVP. Oh, okay, okay. Or, or oh, uh, what, what was one from, um, from, from, I forgot. There was another one that was very obvious. But bottom line is roasting my employees, or my fellow peers, I should say, uh, is part of my character, and that's what I'm doing here. And I wanted to go a little bit off base. I thought the video was funny. If you guys want to check it out, it's in the article in which I predicted Trent Grisham. I thought he would be a much better batter. I thought maybe he'd hit like 260 with a 360 on base. I thought that he was going to get a lot, lot better from the on base department and just walk a ton and then be a really good fielder and above that and help this team a whole bunch. Uh, obviously, it was super bold, and I could have just said something easy. I could have just said Tatis for MVP. But I promise you guys, I'm not trying to get credit. I'm not. You can ask Javier of uh, the Deep Fryer podcast. You can ask um, a bunch of people from the, the Padres Twitter uh, Fantasy Twitter League that I said on the call, the, the bold prediction I was trying to do was Joe Musgrove will be the second best pitcher on the Padres this year. That was actually going to be my one. That didn't end up correct because he was probably the best pitcher on the Padres this year. But that was my bold prediction. My thing was I thought he might be better than um, uh, Chris Paddock. And I thought he was going to be better than uh, Blake Snell to an extent. And I just didn't see it being all that out of, you know, didn't see it to be inconceivable. I thought that the reason his name was hitting up in the tread deadline was there was a real reason for it. So that just to give myself a pat on the back. But I wish I did that one. Instead, I look like a goof. And it was a good example of the tragedy. And we should have just known. We should have known that my dumb, it just, I'm an idiot for a living. What can I say, guys? Um, really, 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 really rough call by me. But in also fairness to me, I did say he'd be good in 2020. And that was like one of the, no, I was actually, I was spot on with all my predictions for the Padres last year. This year I was, next year I promise I won't be as much of a coward. I'm still going to come back with the takes and the predictions. I won't be as much of a coward, guys, I promise. I actually have a lot of interesting takes for next year that we'll get into. But before we get into the last um, two of the first part of this top 10 tragedy, guys, let me just talk to you about something very important. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit 
Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON for, to receive your bonus. From football to baseball to basketball, like they got, they got you covered in every sport, guys, and all these other weird events and award shows and what have you. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, guys. Here we go. The final two. The final two. Stroking my beer a little bit. Just get myself ready. The final two are interesting uh, that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, number seven and number six. One of these I've actually talked about on the show a little bit more extensively uh, for sure. But number seven, guys, do the drum roll. Put your predictions. Again, I hope that you guys are enjoying that I kind of got a little bit weird and creative with some of these. Um, this one, though, it's a mean one. And I actually think out of all the ones that I've mentioned so far, this one breaks my heart the most. Uh, number seven on the top ten list of the most tragic moments of the 2021 Padres season is the Nelson Lamet becoming damaged goods. That's right. That's right. It, it gives me no, no pleasure in saying that. No pleasure in saying that. Now, here's the thing. You got to remember how good Denelson Lamette was last year. Top five in Cy Young voting. Four, in fact. White bat slider. One of the best sliders in all the league. Um, like, basically, take Kevin Gosman's splitter. And it was kind of like, that was the equivalent of it. Just a wipe out pitch. Just for, for an example, I know that Gosman, you know, receded in the second half, but still. He's coming off that injury, Tommy John, all that stuff. And then he comes back in 2020, and I was bullish on that guy. I really was. I hit on Denelson Lamette, man. I hit on Denelson Lamette. I hit on Grisham, and I did not hit on Pham. Um, and I hit on, I think, Drew Pomeranz I hit on. And then I was right about a couple more things. I forgot what it was. Uh, ah, Zach Davies, I think I, I, I hit on too. So I was pretty decent with my predictions last year, but it's an awesome Man, I mean, it's so funny because one of the first things that happened this year, I still remember a big early on kind of discourse with the Padres was like, what is going on with the Tommy John surgeries? Do you guys remember um, Adrian Mornahon? Yeah, Adrian Mornahon goes down early, I think spring training. He's out for the season with Tommy John surgery. That actually was a pretty big injury. We talk about a lot on this podcast how, you know, having arms, having depth, having got, I would have loved to have an AJ Morahon for this last half of the season. Just be a guy to throw out there instead of, you know, Aaron Nolan, uh, not Aaron Nolan, uh, Jake Arietta and Vince Velasquez. You know, that was a big injury. It's just that it wasn't big at the time. I think that it didn't, you didn't feel the pain of not having that extra okay, interesting kind of high upside back of the end starter until the end of the season when the Pirates are falling apart. And big reason for all the injuries not all injuries. The big reason for a lot of the issues with the Padres' rotation depth is Chris Paddock being in and out. Darvish was out, in and out a little bit in the second half, too. And he had some back kind of tightness issues as well. But another big reason for that is the Nelson Lament. The guy just wasn't healthy. Uh, they elected to not go the route of Tommy John surgery. And I remember raging early on in the year because people acted like no, – it no, it wasn't that. I was raging because I was like, why does it keep happening to this team? Mike Cleveridge comes over here, and in five minutes, he gets a Tommy John surgery, right? And it's a Nelson Lament. He gets one, and then he comes back. He's great. And then they elect to not go that route instead of a different rehab sort of process. And it's funny because from the very beginning, and, and please, please comment below if you think I'm wrong. I don't feel like the Padres communicated that the, it was a serious injury that the Nelson Lament suffered in the playoffs. At least that's not what it – like a serious injury in the sense of like, oh, my God, like he's hurt, hurt. You know what I mean? They cut um, 
he was hurt in the playoffs and that he'd probably be out for the playoffs. I think that they did a good job being like, uh, we're going to try, but not looking too good. With Clevenger, they were like, yeah, I mean, we think we could do this back. And then they're like, yeah, he just has bone chips. And then all of a sudden he needs a Tommy John surgery. So it's like, okay. Okay, so that feels like it was a lie. Um, Denelson Lamette, on the other hand, it it does not feel like it was communicated all that much that Lamette was going to be this guy. I mean, do you guys remember all systems go, all clear? It was a quote, or I'm paraphrasing a little bit, for Denelson Lamette's first start this year. When he comes back, and what happens? Goes one inning. Leaves with forearm tightness. Then he's on the IL for a week. Then he comes back, and he's just this guy that goes out there for two innings. And that was it. And it was like, this isn't good. The slider velocity is down, all that stuff. Then we got excited because a little bit around when the Pirates are good, and around the same time frame that Tommy Pham was good, around that time, he starts throwing harder. And then he gets up to three innings. And they're like, okay, we're going to put you out for three innings now. Then it was three innings again. Then it was four innings. Then it was four. Eventually, until I believe we got one start this year, if I'm not mistaken, that Denelson Lament went six innings. And we were like, oh, my God, did this work? Did this rehab kind of route to go actually work for Denelson Lament? And the answer to that was no. He ends up getting hurt again, missing a whole chunk of time. And then he comes back and isn't even all that effective out of the bullpen. So Denelson Lament, it's just, I don't know who to blame for this. I blame pitching development. I blame AJ Power to an extent. I just blame the medical staff, whatever you want to blame. There's a whole lot of blame to go around. But Denelson Lament, that is a huge piece. And so many people ask me, they're like, wait, what happened to Denelson Lament? Wasn't he like your best pitcher? And I always look at them, I'm like, yeah, he was last year. He was easily the best pitcher for the Padres last year. Easily. Basically bar none. And what can I say? The guy's hurt. Damaged goods is an extremely mean term. I acknowledge that. I hope that we get any type of news on him, but it just doesn't seem to be good. It doesn't seem to be good that he wasn't even being effective coming out of the bullpen role. I don't think they handled this right. I don't know if going the Tommy John surgery was the right route to go, but clearly we can't say that there, that this uh, worked out for the Padres because it did not. And it was one less starter, and it was a guy who you need to kind of be a big anchor for this team. And because of that, the fact that Blake Snell and you Darvish weren't as great of acquisitions as we thought they'd be, especially uh, Darvish in the second half, hurt all the more. Hurt all the more. So that's why that is number seven on my list for the most uh, tragic things. Uh, I actually didn't title it Damaged Goods in the article, so I was a little bit nicer. But on the podcast, I'm being unfiltered. Look, this is what happens when you have editors and they write and whatnot. They want you to be a little bit nicer. Anyway, guys, number six, the last one we will be talking about on part one of this piece is Drumroll Prize, guys, another creative one. I've talked about it extensively on the podcast before, so we won't get too much into it. But it is on the top ten when that athletic piece dropped. Now, you could argue that this actually, I, I, the more I think about it, I actually think Lebet's was, I'm going to be fully, like, fully transparent. I actually think the Lebet thing is worse. But the reason I put this high up is because the Padres had already officially been eliminated from the playoffs. This athletic piece comes out from Rosenthal, Dennis Lynn, Eno Saris. They all collaborated on this, talking to a bunch of sources. I'm not saying that they're all wrong or anything like that, but this very damning report that wasn't like the Rockies and Jeff Redrich. It wasn't that horrid and being like, nobody likes this guy. There were actually some people who were like, no, I think that they could still figure this out. AJ Peller is a really hard worker and whatnot. But there were a lot of things in there about AJ Peller being a micromanager. And it felt like just the the nail in the coffin, like hitting us when we're down. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it was really rough to see uh, just this article come out that just bashes us to death. And it's basically like they had one of the biggest collapses in MLB history. In MLB history, one of the kind of tweets that I included in this article, actually, the Padres were 58 and 42 on July 22nd. 470 teams in baseball history have had an equal or better win-loss record through 100 games. Two out of the 470 finished less than 500. That's 2012 Pittsburgh Pirates and your 2021 San Diego Padres. The 2012 Pirates, by the way, had the longest losing streak in North American sports. It's from Jay Kuda on Twitter. Oh, my God. I mean, the article basically just encompasses everything I've been talking about for the past few months. I talked about it in the previous episode. You guys can check that out. But, I mean, I put that down basically because I was like, it was a nice little moment where you wake up and it's like, it's it's bad enough that this team is already blown up. But to have this piece that feels like it had the same energy of the Brid Rich piece where it's like, oh, my God, whenever you have any athletic story featured on your organization, I'm always just scared. Because it's usually not going to be good. I'm not saying that it wasn't a good report and that they're they're hunting people down. They only want to report on bad things. I'm just saying it's like, man, it just feels like only bad athletic stories have been coming out uh, when it comes to, you know, organizational depth and how organizations are being treated and how they're run from the top to the bottom. And that's what kind of happened here. And it was really rough, um, really Darren rough. <laughs> but uh, I put that number six. The more I think about it, maybe it belonged a little bit lower on the list because it was it was granted it was an article and not necessarily everybody is that plugged into the Padres world. But nonetheless, I still thought it belonged on the list. What did you guys think? What do you guys think of the list so far? Again, if you want to read the article, you feel free. But that is it for part one of the breakdown of the top 10 most tragic moments of the 2021 Padres season. On Monday, we'll be talking about the rest, guys. We'll be talking about the rest, I promise you. I promise you. And before we wind down today's episode, though, guys, thanks for making, again, got to repeat this, thanks for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Uh, for the next episode, like I said, we will be talking about some of the developments from this weekend. We got some baseball games going, especially on Friday between the Red Sox and Astros. Going to be talking about that. Saturday, we've got some games, all that stuff. We're going to be recapping that a little bit. And then continuing the countdown of the top 10 most tragic moments of 2021 Padres. You can read the article in the description of the episode if you want to. We'll be talking about it a little bit more for all my just video and audio listeners. That's what we'll be doing in a little bit more depth. And then doing more crossovers. Might talk to Ben Kasich. Might talk to a bunch of whole other people. It should be a lot of fun. Definitely got a lot of big plans for this podcast. And it's going to be a big offseason. I promise you. That's my first prediction. Uh, I do think it'll be a big offseason. There'll be plenty to talk about, guys. But also, make your second listen. You made me your first listen. Make your second listen. Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan but please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available on all platforms. Guys, with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Or subscribe to the uh, the podcast uh, on all of your platforms, wherever you get them, Spotify, Himalaya, wherever. They're on there, I promise you. Um, just check it out and you'll be good. You'll be good. Follow the show or my personal, no, follow the show account or my personal account on Twitter. Send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. Leave me comments on YouTube, and I might answer them in a future episode. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Subscribe to the YouTube, Lockdown Padres. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.